take your Bibles this morning and turn to Galatians chapter 4. We'll read a couple of scriptures there before we go into the Lord's Supper here in a, in a few minutes. Galatians chapter 4, we'll look at verses 4 and verses 5. We'll read those this morning. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. I don't know when the Christmas season begins at your house. Normally at our house, the Christmas season begins about November 1st. Uh, normally there's a tree up on November 1st, and there's... Uh, all these decorations and everything, the outside's decorated, the inside's decorated. Been a little bit different this year. We didn't, we didn't quite get there. Bree grew up in a home uh, with her grandmother in Marietta where she said that on Halloween, her grandmother would be giving out uh, Halloween treats with one hand and putting ornaments on a tree with the other hand. So we come from, I've married into a, a, a family where Christmas begins very early. The Christmas celebration. I was thinking about that and I was thinking about as a boy. Now I was thinking about growing up, when did the Christmas celebration really, when did that season really start? And I can tell you the marker when I was a kid to know that Christmas was upon us. How many of you remember as a child the day that the Sears Roebuck catalog Christmas wish book came out? That's when Christmas really began for me. You would get, that would come in the mail, and that was what, there were, there were markers in my life when I was a kid. There was a, the joy of the last day of school, the dread of the first day of school, and the day that the Christmas wish book came. And I would get that Christmas wish book from Sears and Roebuck, and, and, and these kids now are sitting staring back at me like, they, like I'm an alien. But I can remember getting that book and I would flip through there and I would start turning pages and I would start circling things and I would start dropping hints and I'd start uh, talking about what I wanted for Christmas and all these things. And I was just trying to help Santa Claus along, you know. I was just giving my ideas and my opinions. Now, I, and I can remember, I'm not exactly sure when that catalog came out. I, it was sometime in the fall. But from that moment when I got that catalog in my hand until Christmas morning, it seemed like an eternity, did it not? It seemed like it was never going to get here. I would, I would go back and I would double check and make sure that I had, I had looked at everything and I had, I had given Santa Claus all the hints that he needed. And then I would wait. And I would wait on Christmas, and it seemed like it never would get here. I had a teacher in elementary school who used to use the phrase, you're as slow as Christmas. Oh, and I understood that so well because I thought Christmas was never going to come. Jesus was prophesied to come, and he was prophesied, a, a Messiah was prophesied, and the people had been waiting and waiting, and waiting. And they would go back through the scriptures, and they would look, and they would read, and they would double check, and they would see exactly how this was all supposed to come about. And they would discuss how all of these things are supposed to come about. 
And they would wait, and they would wait a little longer. And it seemed like this Messiah was never going to come. And the people were suffering, and the people were under oppression, and the people were under the rule of a foreign nation. And they just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. But the scriptures tell us this morning very explicitly that God is always on time. God is always on time. The scriptures tell us this morning that when the fullness of time was come. We're a very impatient people. I'm just sometimes I'm just as impatient as that little nine-year-old boy with the Christmas wish book in my lap. Sometimes I pray and 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 things don't go as planned. My prayers don't get answered quickly. Difficulties keep coming. But guess what? I've never once known God not to be on time. I've never not I've never known God to not answer at just the right time when I needed it. You see, because it's God's will and it's God's way, and I have to take that into my heart, and I have to accept that, and I have to realize that it's on God's time and that God way, God is always on time. Look at the Old Testament examples that the people who were waiting on the Messiah, look what they reminded themselves of, that Joseph was sold into slavery and in prison, but yet he would later become the prime minister of Egypt. Moses wandered around or, or stayed for 40 years on the backside of the de desert, tending to flocks. But one day God would come to him and tell him he's going to be the deliverer of a whole nation. And then Moses would get the children of Israel right in between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And all of a sudden the Red Sea at the perfect time for God would open and the children of Israel would cross. So these people who were waiting, they knew that God had timing. They knew that God had a plan. And they knew that he was going to be right on time. And suddenly now we see that he was right on time with the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it had seemed like an eternity. We first see the promise of a Messiah all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. We see the beginning of of that promise there in the Garden of Eden. There's the prophecies of Isaiah and Ezekiel and all the other prophets. And then suddenly, there's silence. For 400 years, there's no word. There's no word from a prophet. There's no word from anyone. And the people are hungry and desiring a word from God. And then all of the sudden, there's action. All of the sudden, everything begins to move the way that it was God had always ordained it. And it began to move quickly. All of a sudden, if you were in the same, if you were studying the same Sunday school lesson that we were, that my class was in this morning, you know that all of a sudden there was a decree sent out and there was going to be a tax and a census. And God had put this in place. God had orchestrated this. So that Joseph would have to take his wife, Mary, who, as we learned in Sunday school this morning, was about eight and a half months pregnant. And they were going to have to travel about 90 miles to go to Bethlehem to be taxed and to be counted. Can you imagine the, the anxiousness and anxiety of Joseph as he's thinking, what about on the way? What if this baby is born on the way? What, are we, what would we do? 
it's wonderful to look at our congregation and we have new life and new babies. And they were all, we, we talked in Sunday school this morning about where we were born and how, how those things took place. And we see all this new life and excitement in our church. But think about this. God had put these things into, into, into place and now they're quickly taking place. There's a crowded inn that Mary and Joseph go to and there's no room for them there. God had orchestrated the people who were supposed to be there ahead of them to be there and he knew exactly where he wanted Jesus to be born, to be born in a stable. And then there's the great birth and the shepherds that are that the, the gospel of the the proclamation is exclaimed to them as they tend to their flocks out in the field. God was right on time. God had orchestrated everything that was going to happen. All of history had been orchestrated by God up to that moment. Everything in history had been, been manipulated by God to get this place where we were, where, where this story takes place. And so now Jesus is born and there's great joy there among the shepherds and those who come to see him. Let me tell you this. We celebrate this Savior, we celebrate this birth, and we celebrate, but let's don't leave him there in that manger. Let's don't leave him there as a baby in that manger. Let's realize who he is, and he is God in the flesh. And let's realize that he didn't come into the earth. It was, it was the most important moment in all of history at that time. But he didn't come just to be born he came to live a sinless life and to go to a cross at Calvary and to shed his blood for the redemption of our lives and for the forgiveness of our sin and someday this baby who was born here this Jesus someday he's coming again and God will orchestrate the perfect time for his return just as he did for his coming there in Bethlehem. Some doubt we look and we see, and I've even had conversations with people this week where they said, Michael, it just seems like the Lord ought to be back and the Lord ought to come back and the, and, and the way things are and the evil of this world and the things that are going on, doesn't it seem like God ought to just come back and take his children out of here? Let me tell you this, God will be on time. And it will be his perfect timing. God is always on time and is working in, his, in our lives. We're not here by accident. None of us are here this morning by accident. We're all here by the hand of God. And every difficulty that we meet in this life is an opportunity for us to believe and for our faith to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know from the scriptures here this morning that God is always on time. If you're here this morning and you're struggling and you're worrying and you're fretting and you're anxious and, and, and things in your life and you've been praying and, and you've been taking things to the Lord, let me tell you, I got some real good advice this week as I was talking to someone about the situation in my own life. And, 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 and here's what they said. Michael, who are you that you shouldn't have to cry out to God like everybody else? That's good advice, isn't it? So sometimes we just keep crying out to God. 
And sometimes in those things, we have to realize that God has a perfect timing for every situation in our lives. And we know this, that God will meet us where we are. The scriptures say that God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's where we all had our beginning. We all had our beginning in the same way. Think about our birth and think about that child that we were. One word describes us, helpless. We had to have round-the-clock care, didn't we? None of us were born being able to take care of ourselves. And some of us will experience knowing, leaving this life, of having to have round-the-clock care when we leave this life. But let me tell you this. From the moment we are born to the moment that we leave this life, every one of us is in the same condition. Every single one of us was born needing a Savior. Every single one of us was born in need of a sa of Savior. It's strange to think that God would choose this entrance into the world. The way that Jesus came. So meek and so mild. We talked about this last Sunday evening as, as we looked at, at Scripture. Jesus born into a stable. Jesus born as lowly and as humbly as a person could possibly be born. And the first people that, were, that this was proclaimed to were the people who were on the outskirts of town, the lowly shepherds. And they were told about Jesus and they were told where he was and they were told how to go and have entrance to him. Now what if Jesus had been born in a great palace somewhere the way that everyone was expecting him to come? Everyone was expecting him to come and the Messiah to come and to be born in great boldness and to be proclaimed in great boldness, to be born in a palace and to be immediately recognized as the king and, and, the, and the deliverer of his people. But yet Jesus is born as lowly and as humbly as he, as he can be because everyone needed to know that they would have access to Jesus. No matter their position in life, no matter their station in life, would the shepherds have been accepted to come to a palace? Absolutely not. But the shepherds were welcomed there in the stable where Jesus was born and they immediately went and rejoiced and worshipped at his birth. Jesus showed the greatest degree of humility that's ever been shown in his birth. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 7, these words are said by Paul about Jesus as he comes. He says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself making himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus left the throne of heaven and came and lay in a manger, in a feeding trough, so that he could meet a group of shepherds and let them know to tell everyone that they encountered that everyone has access to the Savior. Everyone has access to Jesus. And let me tell you this, this morning, God will meet you where you are today. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your sin, no matter what your station in life, God will meet you here today 
just the way that he met those shepherds there a long time ago in Bethlehem. And God wants to change people from what they are to what they can become. The scriptures finish here in Galatians 4, 4 and 5 and say that Jesus came in the way that he came, born in the situation that he was born into, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The word adoption means sons being placed. And that adoption is possible because of the redemption. That adoption is possible because Jesus was willing to come to this earth and to be born in the way that he was born and to live his life in the shadow of knowing that someday he would go to a cross. Let me tell you some good news from Scripture this morning about that adoption. Jesus said in John 6, 37, All that the Father give me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. I was born into a family some many years ago, and I was, I was made a part of that family. There's a birth certificate at home that say who my parents are. And there were times, even today, I'm 52 years old, and even today there are times when my parents probably want to load me up and take me back to the hospital where I was born and exchange me. But guess what? I'm theirs, and there wasn't anything they could do about it. As much sometimes probably as they were upset and distressed and, 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 and all the things with me, there was never a moment where they could say, that's not our child, that's not my son. And let me tell you, once you are accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us here that he will in no wise ever cast you out. That if you don't hear anything else this Christmas season, hear that and take it into your heart and rejoice in knowing that you are in, in you are Jesus's and that you are his for eternity. And if that doesn't give you something to be excited about this Christmas season, then seek him and begin a relationship with him. Jesus was born, and he was born so that we could become what he desires us to be. God is patiently developing us into what he wants us to become. Let me tell you this, this morning Jesus will completely change your life. And you can only be what you ought to be through his power. And this morning, as I said earlier, you're not here by accident. You're here this morning because God ordained for you to be here and be present this morning. And I want to share with you this as we close and we come to the point here to where we take communion together. I want to say this to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you hear the words of the Bible and they begin to stir your heart and they begin to work inside of you, I want to tell you that that is God's Holy Spirit this morning and He is pointing you to Jesus. And he's saying to you, this baby that was born in a manger, although the Bible says that for whosoever, and it talks about everybody in the world, 
You can put your name right there in it, whosoever. It's that personal for you. God came for everyone, but he came specifically for you. And I want you to know this morning that you can know Christ as your Savior. And you can know without a doubt as you come into the Christmas, uh, the two days from now, as we officially celebrate the birth of Jesus, that you can know that you were born also during this time. I'm going to lead us in a time of invitation. We're going to go into the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. If you need to come and pray before we go into that time, or if you need to pray where you're seated this morning and pray about your own life before we take communion, you do that. But I want to also give you this opportunity to make Christ known in your life. I want you to take this opportunity if God is dealing with your heart, to simply pray and to ask Him to save you from your sins. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe you're here and God has spoken to you through the simple message or the message of song. Maybe He's combined those two to speak to your heart. Maybe this morning you want to know that you know Christ as Savior. and You want to be certain that you have a home in heaven with Him for eternity. Simply pray with me like this this morning. Something that says, Father, I know that I have sin in my life. I know that without you, there's no forgiveness of this sin. Father, I believe that Jesus was born into this world for the sole purpose of redeeming me, saving me from my sins. Father, forgive me for my sins and I want to turn from those sins now and follow Jesus and Father I want to today commit the rest of my life to serving Jesus if you're here this morning and that was the prayer or desire of your heart maybe you just want to let us know after service, I'll be here. I would love for you to come and let me know that that was the desire of your heart and that you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you and to make you a part of his family forever. Father, we honor you with this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?